What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Check the cake podcast, suredog.com. It's a pretty cool website. You should check it out sometime. Appreciate all of you guys for coming back for another listen. Um, I don't know how many episodes in we are. We're going to say quite a few. Pretty crazy week of fights. I had a really busy week with work. I got to do some fishing, which is nice, but cold. I live in the state of Washington, pretty close to the Canadian border. So you could say it gets cold here. UFC Austin, BKFC, a little bit of boxing, a lot of really cool last weekend. A lot of cool shit happened this weekend. We're just going to go ahead and start UFC Austin. I mean, if you guys didn't catch the whole card, like some of the best prelims in a long time, even though the first fight of the card went to split decision, um, Hardy came back. She looked great. Ton of crazy finishes. We'll talk about that. Um, but main event, Armin Sarukian knocks up a nail Darius, I believe, at the 62-second mark. Um, not very far in. Kind of back and forth in the stand-up a little bit. Um, Benil was kind of shelling up and backing up straight, as he always does. And Armin kind of threw a looping right around the guard. That kind of seemed to buzz Darius a bit. And then he threw a knee up the middle that looks like may have landed or didn't land maybe off the shoulder in the neck area but not you know not a very impactful blow but right after that armin uncorks this right hand that was extremely fast extremely accurate he's on one leg by the way he does not have two feet planted that goes to show you how much power he can generate could also be a reflection of benel Dariush's current status and where he is durability wise either way my guy, Armin Srukin, my lightweight pick for the SureDog MMA Fantasy matchups for the year of 2023 into 2024. Armin's my guy. So, Ben, if you're listening to this, Jay, if you're listening to this, Keith, if you're listening to this, I think I'm winning. If that's the case, catch up. I get a whole bunch of points for that first round knockout. I did pick this fight correctly. I did feel like Armin would be, I could probably grapple with Benio, but I felt like he was much more of a nip tuck striker and he's much faster than Benio was. And that seemed to be the case. You know, it's, it's really hard. No one doesn't like Benio Dariush. There's not, I, I don't know an MMA fan that doesn't like Benil Dariush. And if you don't like Benil Dariush, you like him for a, a reason that's probably not good. Um, because he's a nice guy. He never, you know, was never in the Tony Ferguson matchups. I remember when he was booked against Tony and Tony was doing his typical bad guy thing, his El Kukui thing. And Benil's like, why are you so angry, man? <laughs> um, so it's tough to watch a guy that whenever he speaks, he's, you know, always speaks about, uh, God and all those things. It's just tough to watch a guy like that kind of get smoked the way he did. And there's really no way to describe it. This fight was very short. Um, you could, it's like a gif is all it was. Um, that's how short this was. This uh, could fit on an Instagram reel. Benil just kind of got flatlined, got hit with a couple follow-up punches. And I don't know, he looked really bad. There was a meme going around when he fought Charles Oliveira, how bad he looked on the scale. 
didn't didn't look terrible on the scale this time around but man anything that he gets hit with like he is a guy that's just so notorious for getting buzzed by everyone in the first round of a fight but you know you can and we'll get to this we, we might as well just get to it now um next fights for someone like armin surukian benil was on an eight fight win streak until he fought charles Oliveira and you know, did well against Oliveira until he wasn't doing well anymore. But, and I, I mean, anyone in the top 15 is going to have moments against Charles Oliveira. That's just his style. Um, but, Benil had no moments in this fight. This was just a straight up, like, kind of not much going on some back and forth exchanges and then one exchange that's blistering fast and super dynamic and Benil's unconscious on the canvas. So as far as Charles Oliveira, you look at both of those fights and you say, well, Benil had a fight with both of these guys and Benil got finished by both of these guys, both of them in very violent fashion, but Armin did it quicker and a lot cleaner. He did not get out grappled, didn't get taken down, didn't really absorb anything. Charles Oliveira got taken down and controlled a little bit in that fight with Benil Dariush. Armin went out there and smoked him. These guys, Charles Oliveira and Armin Sarukian, both have matchups against two of the same guys in this division. One of them is the current champion, Islam Mahashev, and the other one is Benil Dariush. They both finished Benil Dariush, in my opinion, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, it's pretty obvious that Armin did it even better than Charles Oliveira did. And then they both have a fight with Islam Mahashev. And Islam finished one of those dudes in under two rounds and kind of just easily outclassed him. Um, yeah, Charles Oliveira got up a couple times from bottom from Islam. Either way, I mean, very clean win by, Is by Islam. And then Islam has a fight with Armin that Armin took when he was 22 years old on short notice. And they went tit for tat in the grappling exchanges. Armin survived all the grappling exchanges, and both of these dudes have gotten so much better. That's the fight to make for Armin Sarukian next. I do believe, you know, let Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje fight each other. They can put the BMF thing out there. Charles Oliveira is someone that could earn a BMF fight, and then the winner can, you know, fight the winner of Armin and Islam, maybe. But I know Islam was matched up against Oliveira. I know Oliveira got pulled out, eye, eyebrow injury last minute, and that's where Volk stepped in last time around. So it should be Oliveira, but... I mean, and, and there's an argument for Justin Gaethje. There totally is, but... Justin Gaethje has never fought Islam, but Justin Gaethje got finished pretty violently by Oliveira. So we, those are the three guys. And I think with this win over Dariush in this fashion, plus their previous matchup, I think Armin just makes the most sense. I think Justin Gaethje, out of those three, in my opinion, I think Charles Oliveira probably deserves it the least. And I know that's a hot take, and I don't think a lot of people like to hear that because Charles Oliveira has a lot of fans. Um, but I do truly believe, based off the fact of Justin Gaethje never finishing, never fighting Islam Mahashev and Charles Oliveira being finished pretty cleanly and hurt pretty easily by Islam, and then Armin has the close fight with Islam. I mean, yeah. With this win 
from Armin Sarukian, it just makes 155 so much better. It's already been great. We're going to talk about the next fight down the card, which ended in a very gruesome and unfortunate fashion. Lightweights on the co-main and main event. The lightweight is just such a stacked division. It's so good. All these guys, I mean, you could, anyone in the top 15, maybe outside of like Grant Dawson, but you could close your eyes, shovel the deck and, and make up, make a fight. And it'd be amazing. I don't know what's next for Benil Dariush at all. Um, what sucks for someone in Benil Dariush's position, because I believe he was ranked number four in the UFC rankings and Armin was eight. Armin was like a two and a half to one favorite to go into this fight. Clearly that, you know, the odds made sense. Yeah, you pick a pretty big favorite, but yeah, this this fight showed a lot. Benil Dariush is having a tough time, I think, cutting to 155. He's 34, so he's not extremely old, but my God, he looks older than that with the gray hair. And he just seems to be he's always been a guy that's pretty easily hurt, but he's not a guy with the best defense. He's not the fastest guy. And he seems to, you know, in his last two fights, yes, he fought Charles Oliveira and Armin Sarukian, who are clearly in the top five best lightweights of the world. Shit like that's going to happen. But now he's going to be stuck fighting someone like Benoit St. Denis or Jalen Turner who's going to want his, you know, Ben will probably be ranked number eight or number, you know, between eight and 10, maybe seven and 10 after this one, in my opinion, someone like Benoit St. Denis that's streaking someone like Turner, that's coming off of an absolutely violent win. Those are the kind of dudes that Ben going to be stuck fighting next, or he's going to have to go pretty far back even further than that and fight like a Matt Fravola, who's still pretty freaking dangerous, or maybe have to rematch Drew Dober. And, and all those guys hit so hard and are so dynamic like, I'd hate to see him have to fight Benoit St. Denis or Jalen Turner. Like, that would just be terrible for him. Um, he needs some time off. I would be surprised if he takes another fight at 55. Maybe he just... At this stage of the game, he still has a big enough name and he's still a fun enough fighter to where he could kind of, you know, have those outside of the top 15 fights at welterweight. You know, maybe stay away from dudes like Michael Morales, but fight a dude like Matthew Semmelsberger, you know, and, and just move up a weight class and not have to cut that extra 15 pounds and fight three or four more times and then retire. Maybe see, you know, go pick a fight with like RDA at 170. You know, shit. Tough going for Benny Elderiush. In this sport, whenever there's a winner, there's also a loser. And whenever there's an emphatic winner, there's always an emphatic loser. So that just kind of sucks to see as a fan. Um, and and obviously, I'm invested in Armin Sarukian. He is my pick for the Sherdog MMA fantasy um, thing. But it still sucks to see guys like Minotaur Yush lose. Moving on to um, just more violence. This whole card was pure violence. We have... Bobby Green getting viciously stopped by Jalen Turner. This was a really, really dirty, gross stoppage uh, from Kerry Hatley. And it's very interesting. Ben, Ben Duffy from Sherdog, he is a Houston, Texas native, so he is very familiar 
with the Texas Athletic Commission and how they do MMA down there in that part of the country. And it's funny that there, there, I mean, there's always something bad going on in Texas. And this was actually not even the worst stoppage this year. Edgar Chires had a crazy stoppage earlier in Texas this year in a lower B league um, regional MMA promotion. But yeah, Kerry Hatley is not even a Texas native and look at the tomfoolery. He is pulling down in Texas. Bobby Green was trying to play an outside striking game with the tallest and longest lightweight probably in UFC history. A dude that has very straight whipping power, a uh, tall man power. Jalen Turner is not a guy that's extremely built at all, but um, this is what I feared for Bobby. Bobby had a lot of success timing Turner when Turner would try to step in and land shots, but he is playing a game Bobby's game is fit for his body type, but if you stick him against the upgraded version of a, a tall athletic fighter, Bobby's a guy that's always going to want to try to use his range and his reach and try to stay at the, and his vision and try to stay at the end of punches. But someone that's, I mean, Jalen Turner can touch you from so far away that you cannot just play this Bob and weave game. Um, Turner got caught. He went, sorry, Turner caught green. Green goes face down. Green gets hit with like 12 seconds worth of un unnecessary damage. And it looks like he's still trying to move, I think, I guess you could say. But it's like, Kerry Hadley, Bobby Green is still moving because he's having a seizure. It was terrible. Um, this is how you get to that, like, Maxime Dadashev territory. If you don't know who that is, he's a boxer that passed away, I think, in 2019. Um, he got hit and kind of towards the back of the head or hit really hard, whatever happened to him. He took a lot of damage, and then he ended up passing away after via a, a brain bleed, I believe. Um, like, if someone's going to die in MMA, this is what it looks like. Especially, I mean, 155. These shots from Turner would have would 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 have. He could have been punching the heavyweight champion. If, if Tom Aspinall's laying face down like that and Jalen Turner's on his back cracking him with those shots, it, it like the extremely concussive blows. Um, and yes, these guys are 155ers. Jalen hits really hard, but imagine if this was a heavyweight, like Derek Lewis doing that to somebody. That could literally kill someone. Immediate like brain bleed stuff. Bobby did like, Bobby was like not even at the hospital. I'm like, what the, he was like, posted on a social media that night he seems fine which is great i hope he got checked out obviously the ufc is not going to let him you know be moving around like that he's gonna eventually have to go in let me fix my light here a little bit um he's gonna eventually have to go in you know to the hospital he cannot he can't take those many concussive blows and not go get a ct scan pretty tough to watch tough to watch this is probably the uh best moment this is probably the the highest bobby green's gonna really ever get in his career like bobby green right now is the rank 13th and this is the ufc's rankings um he's ranked 13th go to the sure dog rankings they're better than the ufc's but i'm going by the ufc's rankings just for actual matchmaking purposes this does not include all organizations um like a guy that knocked out Bobby Green and Drew Dober is ranked number 15 in the division. Hanato Maikano is ranked number 14. Bobby Green is 13. Jalen Turner is 12. Benoit Saint Denis is 11. 
RDA, 10, Dan Hooker, number nine, and, and so on and so forth. But I'm just, you know, for Bobby Green, these are all super tough fights for him. I think Bobby Green could probably win a fight against someone like Hanato Moicano. I think he could probably beat uh, Drew Dober again. Uh, or sorry, beat Drew Dober if, if he were to fight him again. But I don't like, and maybe Bobby Green could do well against someone like Dan Hooker, but I don't like Bobby Green in any of those fights above him. Um, maybe Benil Dariush. That's probably a fight that would make a lot of sense. Him and Dariush, now that I'm just putting that together. But Bobby Green's going to need some time off. Um, I hope he doesn't lose his spot in the ranking, but he very well might, and he might lose his next fight after this. He's a, He's been in the game forever. Bobby Green is an OG. The uh, Dan Hooker fight, in my opinion, was a much, not easier fight, but I don't think Dan Hooker is as one-shot dangerous as Turner is and clearly proved this. Um, Turner is coming off of a very close fight with Dan Hooker and an even closer fight that he probably should have won against Gamrot. Um, I would like to see Jalen Turner fight somebody like Benoit St. Denis. Or, I mean, Jalen Turner did have two losses before this, but you can't really... It's a Metsios-Gamrot fight. Their wins, their Gamrot wins, kind of how, like, Gamrot beat Armin Sarukian. Um, Gamrot has a win over Jalen Turner. I don't, I don't see why they couldn't just have Jalen Turner fight someone like Rafael Fiziev on Fiziev's return. I think that'd be super fun. Um, RDA is ranked number 10, but RDA would not, would not, I mean, RDA will fight anybody, but at this point, RDA is probably looking to fight someone at 170. Um, so yeah, the, give me Jalen Turner and Benoit St. Denis moving forward. Give me Bobby Green and, uh, Dariush as an old man in the rankings fight. think that makes sense. Or, or give me Jalen Turner versus Hafel Fiziev once Fiziev returns one more fight, and then we'll kind of talk about the rest of the weekend. Moving on to the final fight we're going to talk about, and I'm going to kind of touch on a lot of the stuff from this whole card. This card was just very awesome. Probably the best, uh, sorry, fixing my hat there, probably the best free fight night of the year, probably the best free card that I can remember in a while. We've had some really good cards. Um, Davison Figueredo defeats Rob Font, unanimous decision all around, 30-27, very clean victory for Davison Figueredo, but Rob Font had his moments. Um, really quick, like how many times has Rob Font done the chicken dance in his MMA career? This is a guy that just seems to get hurt all the time. Yes, he does get hurt by the biggest punchers. He never goes out. But God, like... Even in this fight, Figueroa had him doing the stanky leg. Uh, Figueroa had him doing the stanky leg multiple times. Um, Rob Font's jab was pretty effective. And, and I think, a, first off, I hate to say this, but my I've never been able to get Rob Font right. Um, for the longest time, I thought he was just another guy. And... Um, him and Calvin Cater both paired together. I thought were dudes that are kind of overhyped that are dudes that take pretty vicious beatings. And then I started to change my mind on both of them. I'm still on the fence about Calvin Cater and I was on the fence about Rob font. And then I watched him knock out Adrian Yanez and I was like, Oh, Adrian's really good. Um, 
And then Adrian Giannis took another bad loss after that against Jonathan Martinez. So I am just like, man, maybe I've been right all along about Rob Font. Maybe he is just another guy that does have some pretty good skills and matched up appropriately. He's going to win fights, but whenever he's matched up against the best of the best, it's going to look like this. And I think that's probably right, especially at this age. I believe he's 36 years old at this point. Um, and Figueredo just was able to hurt him over and over again. Um, one of Rob Font's best skills, I do think that's kind of underrated, is his clinch and his hockey fight. Like, he'll get an overhook and throw some really good uppercuts. He'll come over the top and then throw a couple good uppercuts. His his dirty boxing is probably his second best skill, but he can be easily out-wrestled. Davison Figueredo, even though he was smaller than Rob Font, and he's going to be an average to small dude at this division, he is still a complete powerhouse. His I think after this win, Davison Figueredo might have another two, three fights in him where he actually is able to look really good. I think his four fights with Brandon Moreno by the fourth fight, I think that really started to mess with his confidence. He did not look great taking shots from Moreno in their fourth fight, but looked fine taking shots from a probably harder puncher. He looked completely fine. He wasn't rattled, wasn't buzzed at all from Rob Font, did take some clean shots from Font, was able to easily get single legs and get fast takedowns. Um, Figueredo's wrestling game and I said this in the Sure Dog live chat I think Figueredo's wrestling game in this division is going to be like a Gamrot type where he could take Rob down Rob Font down whenever the hell he wanted whenever he wanted that single leg that blast double he cut the angle and get him taken down middle of the cage and uh, along the cage didn't matter anytime Figueredo wanted to take Rob Font down in this fight he could and if he didn't try a situation he probably could have got it there if he wanted to um but he couldn't hold him down at all, could not control him. Um, Rob Font did look okay getting back up to the feet, but just kept getting out-punched and out-boxed. Um, he would hang in the fight with Figueredo. If you, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure the striking numbers are probably pretty close, but anytime Figueredo touched him or landed something clean on him, he would hurt him. Hurt him in multiple multiple times over multiple rounds. Um, and this should put Davison Figueredo into the rankings. It's definitely going to put him into the sure Dog rankings. Um, but this should put him into the UFC rankings. Rob Font, he's ranked number eight, so you're probably going to assume that he gets shot right up all the way up there. This is probably like the second best or even the best division um, in the UFC. Like, <laughs> all these guys are great. We're going to talk about Chris Gutierrez and Song Yudong here very shortly, but... Yeah, the guys, the guys around Rob Font and the guys that are behind him are, he's kind of almost fought everybody, but there's still some fights for him in this division. Figueredo, I would love to see him fight. He's going to be probably ranked number eight just because the ranked number seven Song Yudong is fighting this weekend. Um, him and Petrion were supposed to fight many moons ago. I'd love to see... Love to see Davidson Figueredo fight Petrion. I'd love to see him fight Corey Sandhagen. There's no reason to make him fight anyone behind him in the rankings. He's an ex-champion. Everybody knows who this guy is. That you know, with his four fights, his all-time great rivalry, rivalry, probably the best rivalry in MMA history. Let's be honest. Not as much bullshit with talking, but just great fucking fights. Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, Chef Kiss, like. We were, you know, 
some of us might have been complaining about it. I might have even complained about it when we were getting them back to back to back. But if you look at them, they're all amazing fights. Um, Figueredo at his age, I believe he's 35. He looked great here. He's an athletic specimen. This dude may be, you know, the Yoel Romero of the lower weight classes, a dude that can kind of hang around for a while, but he shouldn't fight back. Marlon Vera. Cheeto is fighting Sean O'Malley for the title. If he loses, I could see that fight totally happening. That fight would make tons of sense, and that fight would be awesome because they're super similar in so many ways with their striking and how venomous they are. Um, he there was also he was also supposed to fight Dominic Cruz. I don't think Dominic Cruz would fight this dude. I really don't think Dominic Cruz is coming back around to fight Davison Figueredo, but maybe. Man, but just shoot Davison up there against anyone. Shit, put him against Marab. Fuck it. Let him fight anyone in the top five, anyone above him. He could fight the winner of Song Yudong versus versus uh, Chris Gutierrez. That's going to happen later on this week. I like him fighting anyone up there. I know people are saying match him with Henry. Henry is like his one of his head coaches. He's never going to fight Henry Cejudo. They're both training partners. Henry has... has Henry has been a big mentor for this guy. That fight ain't gonna happen. Um, great win from Figueredo. He looked great here. His power went up with him. He was durable. I, I think once he, I think halfway through the fight, once he realized, wow, I'm faster than this dude. I'm stronger than this dude. I can take this dude down whenever I want. And he's ranked number eight in the world. And only really good guys beat this guy. Man. I think I got a place here. I think his confidence came back. I would love to see him moving forward. I hope he's even more confident because Figueredo fighting with confidence. Ask Joseph Benavides how that went. Um, yeah, when Figueredo is firing on all cylinders and he's not being drained by a weight cut and he's confident, the dude could be a freaking problem and he's fun. Moving on, uh, really just to the rest of the card, I'm not going to do a middle segment of the show this week guys we're, we're gonna you know start without with the old we're gonna go ahead and just pass the middle segment we're gonna skip right to end, end with the new after this because there's still a lot to talk about from this card um this card was full of ins insane finishes sean brady submitting kelvin gaslam in round three um he's probably still wrestling gaslam i the way that kelvin gaslam i picked him in this fight i was wrong i picked rob font too to beat figueredo and i was wrong about that dead wrong about both of these fights sean brady looked great but kelvin gaslam looked terrible you can go poke through his record and i think this is a guy that his fight with chris curtis like yeah he beat you know, Tim Kennedy, who was on the way out, he beat a Michael Bisbing on week's notice after getting club and sub, you know, I don't know. I think I'm done with Kelvin Gastelum. I think I'm done picking him in fights. I think I'm done being a believer in him. The way he talked, the way he made weight so easily this week, he seemed so confident and he just shit the bed. Sean Brady is great. Sean Brady is a great fighter. Bilal Muhammad was tweeting out saying, I thought you guys said uh, Sean Brady stunk or something like that, but maybe Kelvin Gastelum just stinks too, Bilal. He did not look good. Um, he got 50 grand. All the, all the, any, everyone that finished the fight this weekend um, got 50 Gs. 
Joaquim Silva decision over Clay Guida. Clay Guida, 41 years old, still out there playing Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Dustin Solfoots came back and made Punahele kind of just quit. Um, Misha Tate got a, a, a third-round submission over Julia Avila. Um, Avila quit via literally just having her will broken. Um, Misha Tate should have finished this fight way earlier. Um, great win for Misha. Probably puts her into a title fight at women's bantamweight. Um, Cody Brundage and Drakkar Close. Cody Brundage gets a slam knockout. Zachary Reese is trying to go from a triangle from bottom. Cody Brundage told Drakkar Close, hold my beer, homie. I got you. Watch this. Picks him up, slams him on his head, knocks him out, hits him with two more follow-up punches. That's done. Oh, guess what happened on the fight before this? Drakkar Close does the same thing to Joe Selecki. Joe Selecki takes Drakkar Close down. Drakkar Close hits a sweep, gets on top. Joe Selecki tries to sink in an armbar. Drakkar Close picked him up, turned him sideways, dropped him on his temple. He was also dead. Um, Back-to-back slam knockouts. I made a joke to my fiance about two months ago. Hey, you want to go to to go to Austin, Texas and watch a UFC fight? We both kind of laughed it off. And if I would have been serious about it, we would have probably been there for this. Um, yeah, this fight, this card, this whole card was awesome. Um, Bellato versus Potieria. Potieria was on his way to winning the cleanest 10-8 round that you could easily score. Bellato comes back, turns the tides, gets back up to his feet somehow, some way. Potieria's gas. He gets to finish. Fight of the night. Comeback of the year. Um that fight was freaking incredible. Jared Gordon also comeback of the year, not comeback of the year, but major comeback getting shit kicked by Wellington Terman. Wellington Terman was like, Hey, if I come out here looking like Alex Pajara, I can probably fight like him wrong. Knocked out in the second round by Jared Gooden. Jared Gooden was fighting with one eye. His eye was swollen. He took quite the beating from a good old Wellington Terman. That card was awesome. Mike Perry. Defeats Eddie Alvarez via corner stoppage in round two. Eddie Alvarez tweeted today saying he broke two of his orbital bones, orbital bone and something up there in his eye. Um, Two bones are on the eye broken. Corner stops it. Both of these guys, Mike Perry, his face after he made a video with sunglasses on, he looked like he got stung by a horde of bees. Eddie Alvarez looks like he was in a bare knuckle fight. Both these guys look terrible. This is, this is made bare knuckle. Mike Perry has wins over Luke Rockhold, over Eddie Alvarez, over Michael Venom Page, all in bare knuckle. Mike Perry is built for this. This is awesome. Let's uh, give him the bag. He's calling out all types of people. Called out Jorge Masvidal. That shit ain't going to happen, but it's awesome. Mike Perry is right where he should be. The UFC fucked up with Mike Perry. This is where he should be. He's calling out Darren Till. All the, all the great things. Um, Ryan Garcia also won a, run a, won a fight against an opponent he was supposed to win a fight against. Won via stoppage later on in the fight. I didn't even watch it. I should watch it, but I didn't have time. And I went fishing yesterday instead of watching boxing. Gotta do what makes you happy sometimes. And watching Ryan Garcia is not something that gets me extremely excited on uh, December 4th of 2023. We're going to move on to... The next, <laughs> I think it's supposed to be UFC China or UFC Shanghai that is now in Vegas. Um, be right back, and we'll go ha- go ahead and get on to the rest of the fights. Mm-hmm. 
moving on to fight card coming up this weekend. Main event is Song Yedong versus Chris Gutierrez. We're going to start with a middleweight bout. We have, I mean, I'm going to pick three fights. Um, first fight I want to talk to you guys about, Jung Young Park versus Andre Muniz. We have Jung Young Park coming in as a about minus 200 favorite. Minus 192 is the best price you can get him. Worst one is minus 225. Uh, best price for Andre Muniz, I see him at plus 175. And then I see him all the way up to uh, plus 160. Interesting, uh, just interesting in general, the odds here, in my opinion, because I'm a little bit surprised to see Jung Young Park be uh, this big of a favorite. But at the same time, Muniz is coming off of a couple losses that are just not that good. Um the way he got finished by Paul Craig and the way Paul Craig looked against Brendan Allen. And then he got finished by Brendan Allen as well. Prior to that, he was on a little bit of a run and he was a guy that a lot of us were saying, man, you know, he had two wins on the contender series. And then he had the, the win against Antonio Arroyo, who was just not fit for the UFC. Bartos Fabinski won via armbar, but what really put him on the map was breaking Jacare Souza's arm. And Jacare was, probably you know was definitely very old and that was probably really it for him and then he had the win against eric anders another arm bar so the dude had three arm bars in a row and then he you know kind of dominated but couldn't finish uriah hall and we were all thinking man this could be the guy to defeat someone like israel adesanya turns out he's now on a two-fight losing streak where he's been finished in both of those and um it's like the stereotypical big Brazilian dude been on the roster for a little bit, maybe getting a little bit more piss test from USADA. Not sure. Jung Young Park, on the other hand, is on a hell of a run. He's a dude that is... Jung Young Park's an overachiever. He really is. You know, he he lost to Fluffy Hernandez back in 2019. Went on and beat a uh, Marc-Andre Barriol. That was a great fight. Beat someone, John Phillips, probably not fit for the UFC, Beat Tafan and Chukwi. That crazy brawl with Hobo Cop where he lost. Then he went out there and beat Eric Anders, beat Joseph Holmes, beat Dennis Tululin, and then went out there and finished Albert Duraev. Yes, those guys are not on the same level as probably Brendan Allen, but I'm pretty sure in 2023, uh... oh my gosh, Paul Craig is on the same level as, as maybe Eric Anders and Albert Duraev. Uh, this fight is so a year ago Muniz would be like a minus 400 favorite but now I'm kind of thinking man is this guy a front runner what John what Jung Young Park does best is what seems to absolutely melt Andre Muniz and that's what worries me Jung Young Park can grapple. He has amazing cardio. He's a great combination puncher. He is a building striker. He can throw straight punches. In his last fight against Duraev, he took a little bit of a licking. And Albert Duraev is a very, you know, not a big guy, but he's a, a very pressuring topside grappler, something that Andre Muniz can do. And I think Albert Duraev, maybe he's a guy that has shown to be broken and finished before, but, man, I just... 
I think Andre Muniz may be broken at this point. He's going to be huge, and maybe a, a jump up to 205 is where he should probably be. He's a giant guy. He could probably go beat up dudes like Iwan Kuchalaba and uh, Alonzo Menafield and, and, and dudes like that. Um, not beat up, but go submit those types of dudes. But I just, man, here... I just... I don't think Andre Muniz can have the Uriah Hall fight with Jung Young Park. Because if Jung Young Park gets two or three moments in this fight and starts to roll downhill on Muniz, it's over for him. I could see Muniz winning the first round or maybe buzzing Jung Young Park and putting him in a compromised position or maybe even the first round ending with Muniz on Jung Young Park's back. But the way that Jung Young Park just gets rolling with his striking, he's such a good grappler. He's a good scrambler. He's definitely probably a better scrambler grappler than Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall was able to stay, stay safe and not be finished in his fight with Muniz. I'm going to go with Jung Young Park to get a late, probably, I'm going to say a third-round stoppage. Um, I think Muniz gets tired, may get clipped up on the feet, do something desperate, and get finished on the ground, or maybe even just get TKO'd standing. Give me Jung Young Park to win in the third round via finish. Not an underdog, but I think a sneaky valuable betting line. Moving on to the next fight. Well, not the next fight on the card, but my next fight. We have Anthony Smith stepping in on short notice, fighting Khalil Roundtree. Anthony Smith, guy that's definitely long in the tooth. Um, give you the odds really quick on this. Anthony Smith is a plus 195 underdog. Khalil Roundtree comes back at minus 238. I think that makes sense, too. Anthony Smith taking this fight on short notice and... Uh, Yes, he did win against Ryan Spann, who is a big, powerful striker. But prior to that, he did not look good against Johnny Walker, was injured against Magomed Ankalaev. This dude also is something that does not get talked about a lot. If you ever listen to his podcast with Bisbing, Anthony Smith is a guy that's always injured, always nursing an injury. He's a dude that's been fighting. I mean, he's got 37 wins and 18 losses. Guy's got over 50 pro fights. He's not very old. He's only 35. And this dude has just fought everyone. And he's all, you know, his loss to John Jones, his loss to Glover, probably his worst loss where he took the worst beating. This guy is just so tough. His nickname literally fits him. And then you got a guy in Khalil Roundtree who his nickname, the Warhorse, also fits him. This is, dude is, when he loses fights, he gets viciously finished by Johnny Walker, viciously ground and pounded by Iwan Kuchilabo, or loses a split decision against Marcin Pracnio. When he loses a fight, he loses a fight. But when he wins a fight, outside of his, his win against Dustin Jacoby, which I think actually Jacoby won, who happens to be a training partner of Anthony Smith, um, when he wins a fight, typically it looks like his win against Chris Dalkaus, or it looks like his win against the thief Carl Roberson, or they look like wins against Modestas Bukowskis, or his beating of Eric Anders, or his impressive, impressive knockout win 
over Gokan Saki, who was a highly touted kickboxer at the time. This dude, Cleo Roundtree, is a venomous striker. What worries me about Anthony Smith in this fight is his inability to deal with leg kicks. He's been chewed up by leg kicks in multiple fights. Magomed and Kalaev crushed him with the leg kicks. And really anyone that's fought Smith has been able to, to crush him with leg kicks. Johnny Walker did the same thing. He doesn't really check them. He kind of walks through them. But... Anthony Smith is a decent striker. He's good in the clinch. He's got decent power. I'm worried about his durability, but, and I'll say it again, but his wrestling is good. His BJJ is good. His ground game is good. He can scramble well. When he gets people on the ground, he finishes them. Look what he did to someone like Devin Clark. That was super impressive. The way he rear naked choked Ryan Spann in their first fight. If this fight was happening in 2021, the way that, you know, when Smith is on that little th three-fight run, coming back after losing to Rakic, when he, you know, submitted Devin Clark and and had that doctor stoppage with the leg kicks against Jimmy Crew and then kind of club and sub Ryan's fan. In 2021, I'd probably be over, all over Anthony Smith in this fight. But I'm, man, if there's one bad scramble, Anthony Smith is going to be a lot slower than Khalil Roundtree. And if there's one bad scramble where Smith's on the ground and Cleo Roundtree's up to his feet and Cleo just like starts crushing Anthony Smith's body with those vicious soccer kicks. When If you're on the ground in front of Khalil Roundtree, he's going to kick you to pieces. Um, but his deficiencies in the grappling, I don't know if they're still there or not. Dowkhouse kind of tried to grapple, but Dowkhouse was on like a four fight losing streak where he lost all those fights via knockout. Um, The guys that have wanted to wrestle Khalil Roundtree, especially early in his career, I mean, the dude lost to Andrew Sanchez and lost to Tyson Pedro. Someone as good as him should not. If you booked him against Tyson Pedro today, he would eliminate Tyson Pedro. Um, but the standing knockouts, he can be hurt. Anthony Smith is pretty good in the clinch. Johnny Walker hurt him in the clinch. I think there are, I mean, Iwan Kutilaba took this guy down and elbowed his head off. I do think that there's routes for both of these guys to win. I just don't like Anthony Smith. I don't like the way he looked against Johnny Walker. He was having to talk to himself and talk himself into this fight. He's got a bunch of kids. He has a bunch of expensive hobbies that he talks about all the time. Um, he's, you know, he seems to live a, a, even though he lives in Nebraska, he seems to kind of live a lifestyle where he may be spending some money. So I, you know, I'm curious why he's taking this fight, especially on such short notice, but he is Anthony Smith. not talking because I'm stuck on my pick. I'm really flip-flopping here. Anthony Smith's so tough. Could Khalil break something like he did to Modestus Bukowskis and take Anthony Smith out of this fight? Absolutely. Not only is uh, Khalil just a venomous striker with a striking style that's meant to absolutely kill and hurt people. Um, but you, you parlay that with Anthony Smith's injuries. But it is MMA, and I don't know the percentage, but I'd like to think that wrestlers beat strikers a lot. It happens all the time. That's why a lot of you guys hate the wrestlers. Give me Anthony Smith. 
as the underdog. And I'm going to be wrong. Anyone picking Roundtree, that's the right pick. But I just, you know, I don't know. Anthony Smith can grapple. He's a black belt. He has good wrestling. Not good wrestling, decent wrestling, good grappling, good submissions. And as much as a fish out of water Anthony Smith might end up being with Roundtree on the feet, I think on the ground, Roundtree, even in 2023, is going to be much more out of sorts against someone like Anthony Smith. There's going to be a, a gap in their striking in their striking, but I think the 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 gap in their grappling is going to be so it's just going to be a, a canyon. Anthony Smith's a smart guy. He's not an idiot. There's no way he doesn't come out and try to get some grappling going. Give me Anthony Smith. Give me Anthony Smith by submission in the second round after taking a hellacious beating in the first. All right, guys, moving on to the main event. And this is a decent card. It's going to start at 4, 4 p.m. Pacific time. That's when the prelims are going to start. So you can go and kind of run all your errands for the day if you're on the West Coast, do everything you want to do. If you're on the East Coast, you can go and have a full day, go ride your bikes, or it's cold, don't ride your bike, go fishing, go do something, go run some errands, go take your kids to Chuck E. Cheese, and you can make it back for the fights. Um, we got Song Yudong here versus Chris Gutierrez. Song Yudong, minus 380 favorite. He's a huge favorite here. You can get him. Best you can find him in front of me is minus 350. And, and the best price I see Chris Gutierrez is plus 300 and this fight got kind of made on semi short notice. This was supposed to be Petrion and Petrion pulled out probably like three, four weeks ago. I don't remember, but he pulled out. Um, Chris Gutierrez is a guy that I just feel like I still don't know enough about, even though he's a guy that has been in the UFC for quite a while. And maybe it's because the way he lost, you know, hopped into the UFC, got rear naked choke by Honey Barcelos. But that was in 2018, and Honey Barcelos was and still is a great fighter. Um, draw with Cody Durden is a little bit interesting for me. But he's beaten, you know, Andre Yule, who's no longer in the UFC, Filippo Calares, who is unfortunately deceased. Um, he got hit by a car in Brazil. Um, so rest in peace him. But he has wins over him. Dana Badgari. Seemed like a good win a while ago, but went on a bad losing streak. He has that knockout against Frankie Edgar. Lost in a weird way to Pedro Munoz, but I think he had some trouble at home with his head coach and the cancer thing. Um, and then he had that really impressive win against Haile Alatang. Um, this is a guy that has a... Chris Gutierrez has a great kicking game. He likes to stay outside. He'll stay outside, land kicks, kind of bait you in, try to get you to circle into shots. That's kind of how he knocked out Frankie Edgar, but everyone needs Frankie Edgar. Um, his win against Haile Alatang looked great there. Was able to stay on the outside, able to kind of pot shot, land his good, strong kicks. Um, man, but someone like Song Yudong is just... I don't think anybody should be a, a three to one underdog with a kicking game, a calf kicking game like Chris Gutierrez. And if I know this is one of his main training partners, but Jonathan Martinez, who I think is an even better kicker than Chris Gutierrez, like Jonathan Martinez shouldn't be a three to one underdog to anyone just because his leg kicks and you take three or four kicks from that guy, you're dead. But Song Yadong, man, he looked so great against Ricky Simone. It sucks that he, you know, 
took this much time off, but he did have a bunch of fights matched up, and he's still super young. He fights at a great camp. He's been he's been over in California with Uriah Faber for for many moons, and and Chris Gutierrez is also also fights out of an, an amazing camp. Team Alpha Male for Song Yudong. And Factory X for Chris Gutierrez. Song Yudong has definitely fought the, the better opponents. I think probably the best opponents that Chris Gutierrez fought, he lost against in Howney Barcelos. And then, excuse me, <clears throat> and uh, Pedro Munoz. But Song Yudong is had a, a semi-close fight with Corey Sanding. A lot of people like to think that that fight was super one-sided, but Song Yudong definitely had moments in that fight, and he was coming on once he got once the got cut really bad, and that cut continued to just get open. Um, he's super tough, super durable, got big power. Ask Marlon Marias, even though everyone knocks out Marlon Marias. That knockout where he head-kicked Julio Arce, that was super impressive. Wins against Casey Kenny. His loss against Kyler Phillips was very close, but his win... He was on a streak there between Cody Stamen, which was a draw back in 2019. He was like the young, I think he was probably 19 or 20 at the time, youngest kid on the roster, had a fight up a division with Marlon Vera on short notice where he won, but I think Marlon Vera, I think Marlon Vera won that fight. And then Kyler Phillips, where he lost, which is a super close fight. And then he had another close fight with Casey Kenny. But since then, you know, since he knocked out Julio Arce with that head kick, He's definitely turned a corner, and he looked so good against Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone, I picked Ricky Simone. I thought he'd be able to out-wrestle and out-grapple Song Yudong. I was wrong. Song Yudong's takedown defense looked great. His pocket punching, his his willingness to get into the pocket, be calculated under pressure. And, that you know, the kid's 26 years old, but he's got almost 30 pro fights. He's got more pro fights and more main event. And this is like his third or fourth main event. More main event. Um, more five-round fights than Chris Gutierrez. I just don't think this, again, Chris Gutierrez coming way up in the rankings to fight Song Yudong as well. I think he may be ranked 14th or 13th, and he's bumping way up to, you know, number six or seven to fight Song Yudong here. I just, you know, I think this fight got made because Chris Gutierrez had a decent win against Haile Yelatang. I think that there was so many fights that kept falling apart for Song Yudong since his last win. I think this is probably the only guy that was willing to take this type of fight on short notice or semi-short notice against someone as risky and as dangerous as Song Yudong. Um, I think every time Chris Gutierrez has stepped up or fought the next level of competition, he's lost, even though he did not look good against Pedro Munoz. That was in 2023, and it's Pedro Munoz. And he lost to Hani Barcelos. Yes, that was a, a couple years ago, but that was in his UFC debut. Song Yudong is better than both of them. He's much more of a dangerous fighter all around. He can scramble really well. He's tough as shit. He's just as tough as Pedro Munoz. People don't... I mean, he doesn't get knocked out. He loses via doctor stoppage. He loses via decision. But this dude hasn't like his last his last loss to Corey Sandhagen was via Dr. Stoppage. But before that, 2021 Kyler Phillips, and that was a really close fight. Like people just don't go out there and finish Song Yudong. 
And Chris Gutierrez isn't a guy to go out there and finish Song Yudong. He's just not a finishing type of guy. He's much more of a create some angles and kind of has a little bit of Leon Edwards to his game. Yes, Leon Edwards did head kick Kamara Usman. Chris Gutierrez also need Frankie Edgar. But most of the time, they're much more of a footwork-based, kicking-based, use the reach, try to outpoint, fight somebody, chop their legs up. Chris Gutierrez is a venomous leg kicker, but I just think Song Yadong is going to walk through the leg kicks, close the space. He comes from a great camp. Again, I think I think Team Alpha Male will be able to put a game plan in where they're going to crowd the kicker, get their hands, let their hand, let his hands go. Song Yadong is going to probably look similar to the Ricky Simone fight where it, he just pulled far ahead with the striking. And and he may have a little bit of issues with Chris Gutierrez's footwork through the first, second, maybe third round. But once Song Yadong starts touching people, he's got very fast hands, maybe the fastest in the division, big power, some of the biggest power in the division. He's so durable. Um, he crowds the kicker. He lands his boxing combinations. Maybe doesn't finish Gutierrez, but hurts him multiple times through this fight. Give me Song Yudong to win. Give me him to win a decision where he hurts Gutierrez two or three times, probably like in the third or fourth round. Um, yeah, give me Song Yudong here. I think he is the pick for this fight. And there's some decent, other decent fights on this card. Uh, Suma Derji is always in a war. He's fighting Alan Nascimento, who's another Shuto box guy that's always in a war. Nasar Hakparas is fighting Jamie Malarkey. Jamie Malarkey is another guy that's always in wars. Um, Kanan Song is fighting Kevin Jasset. Jasset looked great his last time out. Um, Melky Costa and Steve Garcia has been rebooked. That's going to be a fight to watch. Steve Garcia is always in tons of fights. Um, Tatsuro Tyra's back, but he didn't look great last time out, in my opinion. We'll see how this fight goes a little bit later in a little bit later in the day for this fight card. I'm kind of excited for it. Week after that, next week, we got Covington versus Leon Edwards. That's going to be a fight. That's going to be a badass fight. Well, pretty nice card. I'll be back next Tuesday for you guys. I'll be recapping this card. I'll be picking fights for the next UFC pay-per-view. Until then, enjoy the fights. Check the kick. SureDog.com. I'm the host, Devin. Thank you for listening.